Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. You're listening to U105 of the best. Our weekly roundup of the top chat, news and interviews from the week gone by on Northern Ireland's best mix, U105. A case of mistaken identity put Margaret on the back foot when she took on Minute to Win It on Tuesday's drive show. But did she do better with Johnny's questions than the quizmaster's name? Find out now. How are you doing? All right, Jerry. Do you call me Jerry? Sorry, <coughs> <laughs> Johnny. <laughs> There's a good start to the quiz. I mean, I, I, I don't think we've ever started someone on minus points before, but it could happen, you know. Right, Margaret, who, 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 who's with you? I'm nobody, I'm on my own. All right, you're right, you're on your own. Uh, so blatter through these as quickly as you can. If you're stuck, shout help. Okay. okay? All right, now, here we go. All right, thank you. In which film did Tom Hanks find himself alone on a remote desert island? Um, help. Philadelphia, big or castaway? Castaway. Correct. On a London underground map, what colour is the central line? Um, red. Correct. What was the name of the police officer in the kids' cartoon series Top Cat? Um, Officer Digsby. No, it was Dibble. Hard luck. How high in feet is the crossbar on a football net? Um, I'm going to say... Twelve. Eight. In which film does Paul Newman's character eat 50 hard-boiled eggs? Help. Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, Towering Inferno, or Cool Hand Look? Cool Hand Look. Is correct. On Kids TV, who had a friend called Spotty Man? Help. Super Ted, Danger Mouse, or Banana Man? Um, Super Ted. Is correct. Right, Margaret, or whatever your name is, whatever name we can just pull the hand here. So, three, you got well, five, five points. I tell you what, <laughs> What's that? I don't think I'll be going to the rugby match. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sure. You got I'll five. Go. You never know. Right. You never know, Margaret. You have five points. Okay, thank you. All right, thank Thanks you very much. Thanks very much. Thanks very thank much. you. Dad, you're done it again. You got me. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Margaret with her five points might be enough. Yeah, I might be. So, what we've given you so far: wine, perfume, printer. Uh, sorry, wine, perfume, printer, ink, and oil. Wine, perfume, printer, ink, oil. Get in touch on text and WhatsApp. O double seven double six one zero five one zero five. You're five nil down. 
the quiz. Margaret scored five, taking up the challenge today. Paul the painter. Paul, how you doing? All right there, Joseph. How you doing? <laughs> yes, thank you. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Johnny. I'm going to knock that in the head. I, this is going to happen every day now if I'm not careful. So, <laughs> blame, blame Margaret. <laughs> right. Is there uh, anybody helping you, Paul? Mickey's here, what's the just? Mickey, oh, you didn't need to put the just in. It was like, oh, God, Mickey's here, you know. <laughs> All right. Got to beat five to get into this draw for this prize. It's a cracking prize at the end of the week. So, minute on yeah. the clock, uh, usual crack. If you're stuck, shout help. We'll give you three choices. Just pick one, okay? Right, here we go. No bar. Right. In which country is the Maasai Mara Game Reserve? Uh, Africa, South Africa. It's Kenya. Who provided the voice of Kenya. the donkey in Shrek? Uh, help. Mike Myers, Chris Rock, or Eddie Murphy? Eddie Murphy. Correct. In which country is the Amazon rainforest? Help. Argentina, Peru, or Brazil? Brazil. Correct. Who's the lead singer in Guns N' Roses? Axel Rose. Correct. Who played Harrison Ford's father in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Uh, help. Al Pacino, Robert De Niro, or Sean Connery? Sean Connery. Yes. In 1981, the English Football League introduced what? Uh, no. uh, help, three points for a win, female referees, or... Three points, three points. Three points is correct. You, Jeremy so-and-so, that gave you six. <laughs> You've beaten Margaret 6-5. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you may thank Mickey. I think he gave you Sean Connery. So there you go. Yes, he did. Yes, I knew the way. I knew the way. But I'll I, give it him. Dead on. Okay, so you've won <laughs> six five, Paul. You're getting into the big draw on Friday. Good luck, sir. Okay. No bother, Johnny. Cheers. Thank you. Breakfast was the perfect place for savoury snacks this week, as crisps were on the tips of Morris and Denise's tongues. Are your favourite flavours still filling the shelves? Tell us them in the comments below the podcast post. Um, when was the last time you had a packet of Worcester sauce? Worcester sauce? Yes. Crisps. Oh gosh, they're old, aren't they? Mm. Go back to the 90s, my pie, I'd say. They're the ones that purple packet, aren't they? Yeah, see, I couldn't. I, well, it was different, depends on the make. Okay. Depends on who made them, what colour the packet was. Do you not make them at one point? Um, I think there was quite a few, so they made them. They, they yeah. all kind of jump on the bandwagon once one of them invented it. Uh-huh. But if you're a fan of Worcester sauce, then Walker's has apologised after axing its legendary Worcester sauce crisps. And then that was made me thinking, that's when was the last time I had a bag. And that's probably why they've axed it. <laughs> Fans of the tangy classic had been moaning on social media that the purple packs had vanished from shops. And bosses at the crisp giant have now confirmed, yes, they are gone. Okay, and yeah. an era then for Worcester sauce crisps. Uh, yes, I wonder, wonder what makes her still, still do that. That put me in the mind for Worcester sauce. Things. I used to love Worcester sauce. Yeah, I, I would have thought you were more as a uh, cheese onion. Potato no? cheese onion, yeah, yes, up yeah. there as well, yes. A lot of people saying good old Tato still do Worcester sauce. That's right, yeah. So I got to hunt down a bag of. A bag of. Tato. Yeah, Not that. a bag of Tudor, a bag of Tato. <laughs> Help me wages. <laughs> I got a tater Worcester sauce, put me in the mood for the night. Yeah. Do you remember tomato 
Was it tomato? No. There was. There was a wee phase where... Ever. I remember vividly this red, orangey bag. Oh, God, And no. it was like just... Um, it was maybe tomato and something. I know it was a bit... You know, it didn't sell very well. It was a bit like Bloody Mary's. I had one one time and had to pretend I liked it. It was absolutely disgusting. But I remember t- I remember tomato crisps coming out at one stage. For me. Did I make that up? No, I think, I think, I'm pretty, sure, I think it did. Yeah. yeah, I'm pretty sure there was tomato or something flavour, yeah. Anyway. Tomato flavour crisps. Good times. I've learned something new. I didn't know. Yeah, actually, a lot of people are reminding me now on the text and the WhatsApp. It was actually tomato sauce flavour. Tomato sauce Tomato sauce flavour. So, uh, good morning, Brigitte, who sent me a photograph of said tomato sauce, as done by Tudor originally. Uh Why I? Um, She says, yep, they were absolutely disgusting. (laughs) Uh, tomato ketchup flavour There's somebody sending me a picture of uh, the Golden Wonder version That's Andrew, thank you Andrew uh, And also, who's this now? This is um, Jimmy saying Do you remember Tudor brought out chocolate flavour crisps? No, I don't remember that no. now. But he has sent me a photograph to prove it uh. Uh, Yes, tomato flavoured crisps Yes, Morris, my son loved them when he was a baby About 30 odd years ago Couldn't pass the co-op on Consbrook Avenue Without buying him a bag of tomato sauce flavoured crisps Uh, Morris and today's sausage of tomato sauce (coughs) flavour Excuse me Or then some people brought out uh, sausage and tomato flavour uh, Susan's like a plus, right? Sausage in a bag. I think it was Golden Wonder, she says. Oh. Uh, good morning, uh, says Mano. You put me in the mood now. I'm going for a mini Belfast bap and a packet of Worcester sauce. You've got to put it in the bap, though. I don't like bap, yeah. Um, Mags May. Yep, tomato flavoured crisps. I remember them and I used to love them this morning. Oh, look, you probably still can't get them, can you? We're going to have to track down a bag and taste some. <laughs> Barry and Macrofelt remembers them well. Sausage and tomato. A lot of people saying do we remember Barry McGuigan's nettle flavour. And and Lynn was on the phone, she says Tudor gammon and pineapple. Gammon and pineapple, yes. I I still know I've said those about still. They're like a a pinky coloured packet. Yeah. So they were nice, yeah. There you go. So uh, thank you for all those. Uh, Morrison Denise definitely need to bring back Tudor pickled onion. They were the absolute best. And does anyone remember Sam Spuds? They were great. Oh, yeah. I sort of heard that name before, Sam yeah. Sam Spuds, Chris, that's right. And Farmer Browns were made in Lurgan, apparently. Lurgan, Chris. From Joanne, the wee truck driver, Lurgan, Crisps. <laughs> you have to eat them with a Lurgan spade. So the big talking point of the show this morning has been crisps. It has been, And yeah. some of the forgotten flavours, <laughs> including tomato sauce flavour. And Big Jack and Cushion Doll. Do you remember the ill-fated curry flavour? Curry flavour Curry flavour crust, I do I remember do, yes, indeed. Uh, thanks to Gillian for the message saying there's a cow on the loose just approaching the Craig Annerley Crossroads just near to the quarry. Vicky the Vet popped in for lunch on Monday to give Carolyn and the Bistro Heads her latest round of pet care tips and advice. Ever wonder how good raw bones are for your dog? Vicky has the answer here. Vicky the Vet is here in studio with us today and we're here um, to help you with any problems that you might have with your four-legged friend. Um, can you ask Vicky about my golden retriever? It's seven months old. At what age is she likely to go into heat? I don't want her to have 
pups. Um, but Vicky said I should wait until she's one year old before getting her spayed. Um, Rory um, is asking, you know, any chance for you giving some advice on that? Absolutely. So um, it really varies. So when the uh, dog has a, their first season, it's generally larger breed dogs are later. So um, smaller breed dogs kind of below 10 kilos by around six, seven months of age, you'd have expected the first season. Larger breed dogs can be a bit later. They just develop at different stages. Um, regarding the advice in terms of when to neuter, um, with the retriever breeds and those larger breed dogs, ideally, if you can, delaying the season, uh, delaying the spay until after the first season is recommended predominantly by most vets. Obviously, different vets will have different views on that depending on the research that, you know, that's out there and available. Um, generally, we try to get new to them a bit later on in life to reduce other diseases that can be potentially linked to neutering them earlier on and that's to do with their bones and, and development in that way. Um, so, from my perspective of a retriever, I would always be saying, well, let's try and get them through that first season. Why is it difficult? Absolutely. Um, there's definitely, you know, guidelines in terms of how to manage her when she is in heat um, and just kind of keeping her separate from entire dog's in that period and then what's also quite important is when to neuter them after that season so um, again you want to make sure that they're completely out of their cycle before we neuter them from a behaviour perspective I see that quite a bit sometimes if they're neutered at the wrong time in the cycle then we get you know um, if they've shown any signs of like a pseudo pregnancy or a phantom pregnancy is what we generally call it um, then that can kind of have behavioural implications further down so just be really open with your vets about when the day it started and the only other thing to say is if you're not sure whether a season's happened, that's quite possible too. So sometimes they can have a split heat in their first season. That's quite, that can happen. Um, and that again is why we kind of delay it a little bit longer as well. So we kind of sure that we've had a season. So we know exactly when to, to go in and, and do that. Just means that everything's more settled out of season so that we can make sure all of the blood vessels are tied off and things like that. So um, definitely wait if you can. I know it's not ideal, um, but um, if you can get her through that first season, then that would probably be better for her in the long term. So she's seven months old. Um, so Rory, you're going to wait for a wee while yet um, and get her through the first season and then go to your vet. Um, I'm probably too late, just finished work. I have a five-year-old Jack Russell. You're not too late. Mm-hmm. Uh, five-year-old Jack Russell cross Shih Tzu and she has on it lately. It's become more frequent. Does it warrant a trip to the vet? Julian Ballyclare is asking that. Okay. Um, so, uh, so, so say that to me, it was five-year-old Jack Russell, is that right? Five, Jack Russell Cross? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, so any new behaviour like that, I would always say yes. If we have something that um, that develops quite uh, suddenly or, you know, that is a new thing, then getting the chest listened to just to make sure there's not any sign of an infection or anything like that would be, would be a good thing. The reason why it could be happening could be lots of different things. Sometimes they can get something stuck a little bit, which causes a bit of an irritation um, or... Or it could be, you know, a bit of an allergy, seasonal allergies, especially given the fluctuation in these temperatures. And, yes. you know, nobody quite knows what they're doing. Flowers, are, you know, so I would I would definitely go to the vets just to have a listen to that chest, just to make sure the chest is clear. We'd also probably listen in and around the trachea area, which is the upper respiratory tract, and have a look in the mouth to make sure that there's nothing kind of in there that could be causing it. It's wrong with one of the teeth. So um, going to get that checked, um, if there is a bit of discharge there, would be my recommendation. Okay, so final question for you today um, is we're asked here about giving raw bones to dogs and the question is, is it a good thing to give us a treat or not? I think years ago we used to give dogs bones all the time now of course um, everybody has an opinion on it <laughs> and, part, and part of that used to be able to go to the butchers and get them for nothing I know. now the butchers charge you money for them <laughs> and um, it, I mean I did on occasion give Ellen Jackson um, the big massive marrow bones but I'm not, I was never sure whether it was the right thing to do 
is it or is it not? So the the kind of you've got two schools of thought on that. So there's some people that feel absolutely, you know, um, and there's as we've talked about in the past, there's lots of kind of research going into raw feeding and things like that at the moment. So um, the general line at the moment coming from our governing bodies and things is is actually to avoid that um, purely more so in terms of the risk of transmission from bacteria from things like that bone that can sit there and fester a little bit from from the bone to the dog to us so it's about personal hygiene and things like that as well so um i would say always opt for it you've got alternatives and i think that's the key if you've got a safer alternative then perhaps that's the way we want to go um so you can get those lovely big kongs that we've talked about that simulate kind of a bone situation stuff that with something that's safe um again you know you can freeze chicken stock or something Think like that low f- no salt I've better clarify that don't go giving them loads of salty ones but um, uh, you know no salt uh, chicken stock or and then freeze that in the freezer give that to the dog that's perfectly safe and enjoyable for them to do um, and it won't run that risk of any so bacteria. if you boil the bone for example and took the stock from the bone you could do that and freeze that you could do that as long as it's no liquid salt. there's <laughs> no salt so it's liquid um, no little chips of bones or anything but exactly. just pure liquid freeze it or put it in the Kong and freeze it, that sort of thing. Perfect. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So mm. they're getting that flavour, they're getting that enjoyment, they're kind of gnawing on something because that, again, is what the Kong's helpful for. You can actually, they can gnaw on that and it not get damaged and then you don't run the risk of anything splinting or sharding in the mouth um, and you also then, you know, from a from a safety perspective, from, you know, zoonotic perception, you know, for humans to, to dogs and, and vice versa, um, you lower that risk. Mm. So, um, especially if there's kids in the house running around picking up, you know, raw bones, not yeah. ideal. Yeah. So, um, yeah. You would say you would say no to your dog you, if you would not be giving that to no, your dog in the house. Th- yeah, no, no. 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 Okay. Well, I think that's that's. I can't wait till I get my dogs, and I am thinking about it. I know you are because I'd, I'd be going, Figgy, what do you think? What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? Uh, um, any um, anybody wants to get in touch with you? How do they do that? Uh, VickTheVet.co.uk. Brilliant stuff, Figgy. Thanks so much for all it's your a help. Pleasure. And um, we'll see you next Monday. Yeah. Cheers. Rick Nugent sat in for Frank on this week's phone in, and one of his best callers turned out to be comedian Omid Jalili. The Persian funny man was promoting his new tour and told Rick of his formative years studying in Korean. Now, so Sandy, Omar Jalili's uh, on the road with the Good Times tour. Here's a sample of the man in action. Because this whole stand-up malarkey is really, you've got to be really tough, you know, which is something I'm not really used to. Like, I was in Ireland recently, and the Irish people are very, very forthright. If they don't like you, they just say, because someone says, hey, you're a funny man. You take your funny, you're a big fat <laughs> What makes you think you can do that job, you big fat I was really shocked, so you had to give it back. I said, what makes you think you can do your job, you big fat pot-bellied forklifting Irish <laughs> He looked at me and went, yeah, you're all right, son, you're all right. You're a lovely lad. Such unity, it was, it was amazing. And for those of you who don't really know, I've been doing lots of anti-racism comedy workshops uh, for Millwall Football Club. Uh, which has been a real, it's been a real revelation. And you have lots of, you know, you know, lots of youth and skinheads there, and an ethnic minority shares this culture. They have an Iranian comic, right? We have this Korean juggler, comes on, it's fun. Uh, we have an Indian bingo caller, which is, if you haven't seen it, it's great. He just comes on, he goes, okay, everyone, get your cards ready, and here we go. Kebab, well done, number one. Hot, hot vindaloo, 22. Chutney, writer, papadam, naan, who's at the door? 44. <laughs> Uh, well, Owen, of course, uh, as I say, on the road with the Good Times Tour. He's bringing it to our shores uh, soon, amongst other gigs. He's going to be playing uh, the Millennium Forum Derry and the Ulster Hall. Uh, joins me on the line now. Owen, you're very welcome. 
Uh, Rick, thank you so much. And thanks so much for, A, picking um, a clip which was mostly bleeped out, <laughs> which was very funny for the radio, and something, I believe that was in there. And what a time to be coming to Northern Ireland because obviously the Arab-Israeli conflict is something most of us grew up with. And then I was... I got a very specific viewpoint of that by going to university in Northern Ireland between 1985 and 88, just smack bang in the middle of the troubles. So anything you heard in that clip there is, is authentic. And it's because it, I kind of started my stand-up career in Northern Ireland and helped by Northern Irish friends. So it kind of feels like a, a homecoming, but at the same time, how relevant to come somewhere where seemingly you've resolved your age-old troubles and right now what we're seeing in the Middle East is troubles that have never been this worse and actually are going to get worse and there's a real concern for the whole planet. I think it is. Is that something, would you touch on that in your stand-up? Yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, <laughs> I mean, I could say, look, well, all these things are going on, but I'm the guy who has to get the laughs. I'm the guy. You know, imagine me trying to get people to... Not laugh at it, but just you can use comedy to throw some sense on it. You can use comedy to throw shade, some light, and make sense of what the hell's going on. So, yeah, I think I will be talking about it. I also will be talking about the Women Life Freedom movement that's been going on uh, for about a year in Iran because they're connected as well. It's the Islamic regime has been oppressing women and the people there and putting people in jail just for protesting. But at, all the, at the same time, it's highly relevant that it's, it's come to light and it's, we've known for a year that it's the Islamic regime are behind the attacks. They're, they're funding and training Hamas and um, this has become common knowledge, uh, which is why we're worried about uh, Israel fighting regime and people are seeing that they are now some kind of mothership of terrorism. So, yeah, I mean, look, it's going to be hard to get lost, but I'm certainly going to touch on it and I'm certainly going to, I think it'd be very relevant for the people of Northern Ireland to, to see how they're going to resolve it and how things are going to move forward in an awful situation. But then again, I'm someone who I saw that happen in the mid-80s. And someone, I, mean, I was shot at. I, mean, I didn't, couldn't believe it. I nearly got killed in 88 on Port Stewart Beach. So um, we can talk about that as well. Port Stewart when Beach? I, when I do. Yeah, Port Stewart Beach in, in <laughs> March 1988. This is when you were at the Ulster University in Coleraine. Is that right? Yeah, it's at Coleraine, and they, uh, I mean, there's a whole story to it, but um, I got shot at um, because there was just a, an altercation, people shouting things. It was one of those Saturday nights, and I was just preparing for an exam on Monday. Yeah. But and who, people started shouting at me, and, <laughs> and I, approached them with, I approached them with stones, thinking that I had the upper hand, and someone <laughs> says, geez, boy, you better run. He's serious. I said, okay. well, I've got the stones, in, in a very English accent. Yeah, but the guy goes, he kept, he's like, he's like, you better run, boy. You want? And they, they, they said, do you want your kneecaps blown off? And they took shots at me, and I ran away, and they chased me. And uh, then the next day at university, I, I reported this to my professor, who said, ah, you're alive. Don't don't even bother reporting it, because if you report it, they'll find out who reported it. They'll come after you. Just be happy you're alive on me. That's what they said. <laughs> it's crazy. I mean, some of us go to the beach, and we're worried about getting stung by jellyfish. You go to the beach, and you get chased, <laughs> <laughs> chased with a gun. <laughs> Oh, and the boy. thing is, it's it's amazing we can laugh about it because comedy plus tragedy equals time. Well, doesn't it? No, does. comedy, sorry. <laughs> tragedy, that's terrible. I got that completely wrong. <laughs> tragedy uh, plus comedy. Tragedy 
plus time. Comedy equals tragedy plus time. I think that's what... Uh, that I, shows I, you what an idiot I am. I, I don't even know what I'm talking about. Stop now while you're behind. There are a lot of folks here in Northern Ireland who do, do know you have that particular connection. Uh, you studied English and theatre studies at uh, Ulster yes. University in Coleraine. Are you prepared to reveal to us that you're ill? It wasn't conventional, I'm very happy to say. Th- th- there's been a statute of limitations. It's been over 30 years now, <laughs> and I think I can say it. But yes, I blagged my way in. In the days when the, the clearing system obviously had a glitch, where you just had to write by hand your grades on a card and put them back into the computer, but you'd send it off. This was a card. Yeah. What were your grades? Any of their grades, like E, F, O-level pass, you know, it was, it was rubbish <laughs> grades. And I thought, well, I'm not going to get anywhere. I, so I just lied. I said, I put B, uh, C, a D, and an E. There you go. That, that makes it sound like I nearly got in somewhere, but not <laughs> enough. And, um, I sent it in, and University of Ulster said, come along for an interview. I went there to have an ask. I went for the interview. I flew all the way to Belfast, drove up to college. We were just going to check the computer program, uh, the computer printout, just to see if your grades correspond. I thought, oh, God, here we go. They're going to see. Yeah. And there, there was the printout on Mitchell B, C, D, E. Somehow they'd written down everything, all the lies. <laughs> they, wrote, they printed the lies, and I got in. So I was very... Uh, yeah. It's unconventional, but I, I don't regret it one bit. Absolutely. Gives hope to any struggling student, doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> listen, you've packed a lot into your career to date. Your awards, you know, as you say, that maybe you don't care so much about them, but nonetheless, it's nice to see them. Time Out Award, Best Stand-Up, the Emma Award. You got Best Actor at the Turin Film Festival uh, for The Infidel. What's next for Um Jalili? We have some very exciting projects that... Um, I'll tell you what, what's very interesting, there was one exciting project where I did a, I did a, a show in a different language. You know, I'm, I'm Iranian, so the language is Farsi. I was invited by BBC Persian last year, before the um, uprisings, to do an episode of a show called Tonight with Omid. That was the most, watched, is, uh, well, that was the most watched comedy programme, wasn't it? it? Can you believe it? I did it. And, you know, my Persian's not very good. And actually, some of the Instagram comments were Omid Jalili's Persian is similar to the English spoken by Osvaldo Ardiles when he moved to Tottenham from Argentina. <laughs> you know, Indy Cup for Tottenham. You know, thanks, mate. Stay in England. What, what, they, they what, were, were, yeah, what I mean? Uh, this is, 12 million, yeah. Yeah, one. 12 million people watched it. And, and Unbelievable. Yeah, and I mean, well, that's about one in seven of the population, isn't it? I mean, it was, it was beamed into Iran, and BBC Persian is a big platform. It's a 100 million person platform across four different countries. And um, they said, yes, you've, uh, you've smashed the global record for a comedy show. Uh, even in America, it was the most watched uh, show. But that was even, and they gave me the lowest estimate. So they said, realistically, you're around 20 million. But I don't think that that would look like you're lying. So what, we, <laughs> what BBC Persian said, just say minimum 12 million watched it and you've got the record. So, but they, they said there's actually much, probably much more than that. But uh, I don't want to, I don't want to boast. You don't want to boast, know, exactly. I've got the world record. You don't, you don't want to go back to your, your university days, tell fibs. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know what? Yeah. I will say this though. I will say this. The, the, even though the lecturers taught him at Jordanstown, I had the same... Uh, lecturers at the University of Ulster is Jimmy Nesbitt because they kept telling me though that you're just like we Jimmy we love Jimmy and he's going to be a big star I said who's this Jimmy bloke I don't like the sound of him 
<laughs> and then um, I realised it was Jimmy Nesbitt. Then we worked on Lucky Man uh, on yeah. Sky. And he goes, oh, hey, we, Linda Henderson and Paul Hadfield, and we were, like, talking about all the people. And and there was actually, I really I really enjoyed being with Jimmy Nesbitt. He's great fun to be with. And uh, it was even, it was such a great connection that we'd had exactly the same lectures and had done the same course. And it was... Uh, yeah, and, and and I've always had that connection with Jimmy now, so that, that, that's something, you know, very thankful to Northern Ireland for that. And you do the Northern Irish accent better than obviously you were doing your Persian accent. <laughs> hey, that's right, what about his, uh, Rick, what about his... <laughs> so, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't block my nose to do that, that was my first guy. What about you, Ahmed, Ahmed, what about you, what about you? There's always people that say, that, they say things twice. Ahmed, Ahmed, what about you? What about you? And I just thought it was so funny. There were so many characters there. Oh, absolutely. And he couldn't not do, do the act. He just couldn't not do the act. And it was hilarious. It's like Jimmy was in the room. Oh, oh my. <laughs> yeah, that's my impression of Jimmy Nesbitt. <laughs> oh, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. We'll look forward to seeing you at the Ulster Hall and indeed the Millennium Forum. Uh, thank you so much for chatting yeah. to us and have a brilliant tour. It's a flip. Please come to the Millennium Forum. Actually, my in-laws, my, my, my daughter married someone uh, nearby there in, in Letterkenny, and they're all coming. I've got everyone in Donegal's coming over across, and I know we know a lot of people in Derry, and uh, that's going to be a big one. So please please come to the Millennium Forum, Derry. That's going to be a great night. Brilliant. That's going to be a nice, quiet wee evening, isn't it? Oh, well, thank you so, <laughs> thank you so much for talking to us. All the very best to with Halloween on its way, Denise told the Breakfast Show listeners about a scare she had in the car park while doing her shopping. Screams were screamed, but what exactly caused them? Hope you're well. Hope you had a good Monday. Are you well? Did you have a good Monday? I am well, but I had to let the gold out yesterday at something. Like, I haven't done this before. I've almost done it before, but somebody did it to me in a car park at my local corner shop yesterday. They got into my car. <laughs> and it's not their car, but I had a white car and he had a white car. And there was two rows, right? So I was sitting parking. And next thing is the door open, my back door, my car opens. And then jumps this bald head, a guy with a bottle of Coke. I went, oh, and I went, ah! So they screamed at each other, but he must have been mortified. But it didn't help him that I screamed at him, I suppose. That's funny because we were talking about exactly the same thing yesterday when I picked up uh, my youngest from school. Oh, right. Because okay. I was sitting waiting and about two or three cars behind me, I noticed another silver car, same as mine. Same as yours. Same colour, mm-hmm. pull in about three behind me. And I'm thinking he's going to get into the wrong car. And, was and he sure busy? enough, he? he walked down and he almost got in. Yeah. And then he sort of double checked and then he... But it has happened before where he jumped into somebody else's car that looked like his mum's car. It was, so it is a common thing. Yeah, yeah, and he actually jumped into this blue car that he thought was, and then the wee woman screamed and he screamed. <laughs> well, I was the wee woman who screamed yesterday and I feel really bad because he must have been mortified because as soon as he did it, he, he shouted, sorry, sorry. <laughs> and away he went. Oh. Sure it happens a lot. Same thing happened to Gillian at the uh, garage forecourt. Went in, paid for petrol, came out, jumped into the first red car she saw. <laughs> Wondered why she had a child seat in the car. <gasps> and a woman panically saying, it's the wrong car, it's the wrong car. <laughs> I feel for Thanks for listening to this week's U105 of the Best. For more of Northern Ireland's best mix, tune in on FM, on DAB, on U105.com, on the U105 app, and on your smart speaker. Just ask it to play U105. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.